Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Good evening. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring John Martellero. He's from the Mac Observer with lots of important things to discuss. We'll also be hearing from the iTunes guy from Macworld. That's Kirk McElhern. He'll complain about the overly complicated settings for iOS 7. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. We have John Martellero of the Mac Observer joining us with a big agenda of stuff to talk about. But let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that a little bit later in the show, we'll be hearing from Kirk McElhern. He's the iTunes guy at Macworld, and he has some problems with the settings under iOS 7. He doesn't like them. He thinks it could be organized better, I gather. We'll find out more later. And, John, just to start things off before we get into this long agenda... Do you find things in iOS 7, configuring things like that, to be more difficult, more confusing? No, I don't find them to be more difficult. In general, I like iOS 7. I think it's uh, a mature-looking and elegant and more secure operating system, and I'm very enthusiastic about it. But in reference to settings, I was annoyed to uh, find that there is a setting that controls this new frequent location service. Now, as you recall, there was a, a flap a while back about the iPhone tracking your uh, your locations, this crowdsourcing issue. What this function does or service is it exposes it to the user a little more explicitly. You can go in and actually look at a list, and it's perhaps appalling to some people who weren't expecting it because it's on by default. And in the article I wrote today, it shows a map of uh, where Dave Hamilton, our publisher, has been, which he was kind enough to publish. My gripe isn't with the utility of this service. It's going to be helpful occasionally for the iPhone to know where you are so it can help you find things or remind you to do things. But my gripe with it is is that it was turned on by default at installation. And and so you're, you're moving merrily along and all of a sudden you encounter this thing. Uh, the path to it, by the way, is settings, then privacy, then location services, then system services, then frequent locations. You can see how deeply it's buried. And YouTube will see a list of all the places that you've been. My grip with that is, is that in this day and age, it's up to the customer to decide the utility of these features that could impact your privacy. It's okay for Apple to come out with cool features and, you know, build APIs and say, okay, you know, you're back to where you were again. Or maybe you were at the grocery store and you forgot something or there's some there's something that can help you remember something or there's some advertiser who wants to remind you that you're back in his store and there's a new sale on or you know, all sorts of things like that. I'm not quibbling with that. It's up to the user to decide the utility. What bothered me was is that Apple went ahead and built this thing and didn't really advertise it very much, buried it deeply. Then didn't that installation give you an option to make an informed consent about that specific function, even though, you know, you generally know you want location services on and you can turn them off for certain apps. This one's a little bit more annoying to have on by default. And so my argument was, is that, you know, Apple should be well aware. They are well aware of the issues these days about consumer privacy. And they should have made a decision, in my opinion, to leave that off, advertise it, promote it. If it turns out to be really great, if it turns out in time it's revolutionary and wonderful, and the meme is, is that we all love it and it's very useful, great. 
But until then, uh, the verdict has to remain with the customer. You don't want Apple to make assumptions for the customer about what the customer might want to do. Well, Apple wants to promote the service, of course, because it's something they went to some trouble to put in. And maybe it's based on competition. Maybe it's based on revenue stream for developers. Or maybe it's just geek enchantment with the art of the possible. In any case, in this day and age, it's uh, the, the onus is on Apple to describe these services, explain their benefits, give the user an informed option to turn it off if they want to. Now, I, right away, I had a reader say, oh, this is great. I like this. I use it all the time. And I reminded him that, you know, I wasn't quibbling with the service itself. I'm just quibbling with hidden settings, secret functions. Well, I think one of the complaints that some people make about the iOS compared to Android is that Apple gives you more limited settings, whereas Android gives you more settings than you can possibly figure out in your lifetime. Yeah, there's a fine line there between inundating the customer with options, especially options they don't understand. And there's nothing more famous in that area than networking. If you set up a Wi-Fi router or maybe uh, RAIDs too, you set up a RAID device, there'll be all these geek terms that you don't understand. And you're expected to make a decision based on some technical nomenclature instead of some elegant way to describe why you want this or not. And then often Apple says, well, we'll make the decision. We're wise. And, and you see that in airport utility. Reviews of uh, airport base stations, the new one, the 802.11 AC, I saw uh, an author say that, you know, if you want choice, if you want geekdom, you know, this isn't for you because the airport utility is very simplistic. So there's always that trade to be made. And it's a joy to be able to turn on a device and get it working and be on your way and get your job done. Well, I'll tell you what, I set up recently for a client a brand new Apple Airport Extreme. This is the new one, the new with the, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the new cylinder-shaped the tower. tower. Yes, yeah. the new cylindrical tower, squared off <laughs> c- cylindrical tower, whatever it is. Okay, and it's done that way because of the positioning of the antennas. All right, so you set it up, you bring up the software, and you give your network a name, and you enter your password, and it's set up. Because it will decide that's going to be a WPA2 personal password. Good. It'll check, name check. your network. You write down the password, and you get on with your business. That's the end of it. Now, I challenge you to take any other router and set it up that way with just two entries because you can't. Not that there is no way to edit and have much more granular settings. There's a reasonable number of options you could make with your airport network, but most of those would relate to support issues. So, for example, maybe it's interfering with other routers in your apartment building or by neighbors, you may then change the channel. Oh, but one of the things I griped about recently was there's no way to turn off the 5 gigahertz channel. You are required to run 2.4 and 5. And if you're not running an AC device on the 5 frequency, there's no way to turn the 5 off. So you're radiating yourself and in the vicinity for no good reason. But does it matter to anybody? matters to me. I mean, I've got all sorts of radiation in my office. (laughs) My friend, it is too late for you. If you're hoping to deal with that, let me say it is too late. There's no solution. You're already suffering the consequences, as am I. Because I have have a double router situation. There's nothing wrong with me at all. I'm just fine. (laughs) You hear what? We're just slowing down here. I'll soon start talking like Yoda. 
Yoda, I will. But, you know, I'm not going to do that because I do a bad imitation. The point being here is that Apple probably looks at to what 98% of their customers want, and they provide those settings. So I suspect over 90% like the fact that you enter a network name and a password and you're done with it. That's okay. I think another 3 or 4% okay. want the granular See, settings. That's, that's all right because it doesn't affect your privacy. I mean, there's a good secure WPA2 and you're set up and you're secure and you get a network password and, and it's fine. But there's nothing more insidious than a modern smartphone. It's packed full of information. It's leaking information all over the place. It's subjected to, you know, assaults. There are backdoors. There's GPS information. There's tracking. There's personal information and the contacts list that could seep out. This is a whole different issue with a modern smartphone. And so Apple's tendency towards simplicity of settings doesn't apply when your personal privacy is at stake. Okay, so my iPhone 5S is leaking. It's not leaking my fingerprint, though, because that's stored on the A7 chip. So yeah, at least I'm not worried about that. Clay. So it's not leaking my fingerprint. Besides which, you know, under a lot of circumstances, like I try to go to a bank and cash a check, but I'm not a customer, they take my fingerprint. So there's a number of circumstances where they'll take your fingerprint anyway, even if it's not a law enforcement issue. So I'm not to fret about that unless it's used to break into my iPhone. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer doesn't want to break into anything. But we're breaking bread with him right now on the Tech Night Out Live. (laughs) Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, They're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE. When you check out. Good day, Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, October 2nd, 2013. Gold opened this morning at 1295.20. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1342.30, for a half ounce, or 335.57 for a quarter ounce. That's 1342.30, and 335.57. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. 
nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. HempUSA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. My name's Bruno. I'm 52 years old. I've tried different protein powders over the years, and they've all tasted pretty bad. I tried One World Way and found it to be delicious. After 10 weeks on One World Way, my wife commented, you have more muscles and you're leaner than when you were 20 years old. My body has changed dramatically. I'm a cyclist. Normally, I'll ride two days on and take two days off. After being on One World Way, I rode 10 days in a row in over 100-degree heat, and then I'd take another two servings of One World Way and then work out at the gym for another hour and a half. I just couldn't believe these results. My normal muscle tightness and soreness after working out are virtually gone. Don't take my word for it. One World Way comes in single servings. Just give it a try. For a health and taste sensation you'll love, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. John Marcolero of the Mac Observer <laughs> is laughing at my dumb segue. <laughs> First time I've gotten them to laugh since the last show. He's actually a really nice guy. He's a lot of fun to talk to. I've never met him, though. It's kind of funny that you have all these people that I've talked to around the world on my two radio shows, and I think I've met one or two of them. Well, we should do a FaceTime sometime. Just no, you check. don't, because I want to scare Just you. <laughs> yeah, same here. Speaking of scared, we've got to be scared, if I was Microsoft, over what's happening with their tablets. I watch these commercials. They're still running them, where they have this Siri-sounding character who's totally upset because the Surface tablet does so much more. But they, first of all, reduce the size of the iPad so it looks closer in size and therefore smaller than the widescreen surface. That's number one. Number two, they compare the prices, but they compare the price of $599 for a 32 gigabyte iPad as opposed to what, $349 for the last Surface 32 gigs. They don't tell you that half the space on the Surface tablets taken up by junkware and Microsoft Office and everything else. So it's the yeah. price that says, oh, please, if we lower the, if, if we, if we lower the price enough, maybe we can sell some of them. It reminds me of HP. When HP had that tablet, the touchpad is touchpad, it? Right. the touchpad, 
And after three or four weeks, they realized nobody wants to buy this. It's a piece of junk. And this, of course, they had just recently purchased Palm, and they were hoping to make a big thing with this tablet. And nobody cared, so they reduced the price to $99. And they sold several million at $99, which doesn't mean much because they didn't make any profits. It probably cost them $300 to build the things. Anyway, Surface Tablet. You've got an article over at the Mac Observer. Microsoft's tablet delay, a bigger mistake than previously thought. What do you mean by tablet delay? Well, there's a little bit of history here, and there's a story. So let's go back in time. Uh, When Apple came out with the first iPad, shipped in early April 2010, I think all of us in the tech industry realized right away that this was revolutionary. Steve was alive. It was his baby We instantly understood its utility, its impact on the industry, how it would affect the the whole technical industry. It was revolutionary. And so we expected Microsoft to come out with something in the spirit of, okay, you were out first, but we're a smart company, and we recognize what's happening here. We see the handwriting on the wall. We're aggressive and smart, and we know how to build software, so we're going to come out with our own version of a tablet, and we're going to be right there toe-to-toe with you and compete. Not because we're a follower of Apple, but because this was a stunning change in eras. It was a a demarcation point between the conventional PC and Mac and the future tablet era. And you had to have a certain amount of vision, maybe a certain amount of science fiction vision and industry experience to say, aha, we're not really copying Apple. We're just moving along in the next era. But I should mention before you go on, technically, Microsoft thought about the tablet 10 years before the iPad, but just never had it executed properly. Then again, the E-Mate, the Newton derivative, was kind of a tablet, wasn't it? Yeah, but I don't want to get diverted from that. I want to get focused right on what Microsoft was doing there. Yeah, they had some tablets with with styluses, and you'd open it up as a notebook computer and swivel it around, turn it into a tablet, you'd have a stylus, and it wasn't really a touchscreen operating system. I was at a hospital one time where they had some of these Toshibas and I asked them why they were using them as PCs instead of tablets and says and the nurse said we lost all the styluses. We can't use it that way. <laughs> yes. That was a bust. So then there was a group, what was that Microsoft guy's name? Bobby something, who had a group who developed this courier concept and they developed a video. And from what I read they were fairly well along actually in software. It wasn't one of those things where they did a cool you know, animated CGI video that didn't have any basis in reality. They had actually written a serious amount of code, and and they had the ability to do a demo of the courier. And then we all thought, aha, Microsoft understands the vision of the future with tablets. They're just going off on their own unique direction, which is great, right? Then Steven Sanofsky came along, and, and he was head of the Windows division, and probably with a little bit of support from the chairman of the board, Bill Gates, said, no, 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 It's we're a Windows company, Windows forever. And so he, he killed the Courier project and said, our tablets are going to run Windows. And of course, the rest is history. They came out with a tablet that runs Windows. Well, they made a big mistake. They came out with a tablet that ran a version of Windows, the Surface RT, uh, that you couldn't run x86 apps on. And but then they finally came out with the Surface Pro, and it's it's basically a, a notebook computer. 
because it runs Windows and they push the keyboard really hard. And in my opinion, I've handled this this keyboard in the Microsoft Store in the in the mall here at Park Meadows Mall in, in South Denver, and the keyboard seemed to me kind of cardboardy. It's just the personal opinion. I didn't write this in the article, but for me, this kind of chiclety, cardboardy keyboard, you know, some like it. I really didn't. It kind of detracts, in my opinion, from the elegance of having a virtual keyboard on a Gorilla Glass display. So it turned out, guess what? Nobody really was very enthusiastic about having a tablet that was really a notebook computer that was running Windows, that was pushing Microsoft Office, and had a keyboard except maybe you know a significant number of businessmen who wanted to continue using a product like that. But unfortunately, the number of business people it wasn't doing enough. that wasn't considerable. It wasn't enough. And then Microsoft ended up having to take a billion, with a B, right down on unsold uh, Surface tablets. So what did they do? Well, it looked like they were going to recover from this error. Let me back up one more second and say... They had this strategy that Steve Ballmer announced that said, well, you know, we have all eternity to catch up. We're just at the beginning of the tablet era. We can take our time and do it right. But what's happened is, is that they got too far behind. And when you His get too name far is behind, Nero, by the way. His real name, you, <laughs> Steve Ballmer, is Nero. When you, and he's playing that little fiddle over there. <laughs> when you get too far behind in the industry... You have problems. People get a lead on you, and then they start walking away from your projects because they don't see the utility. Your development tools are immature. You haven't caught up with the flow, the technical current of the community. You're sort of, as I mentioned in the article, you're sort of orthogonal to the technical flow of the community. So then what happened? Well, then Microsoft bought Nokia. This is great. Microsoft's making a bold statement. We understand we need to get into mobility. The week after they announced that, they had this big conference in New York to announce the Surface 2. A little bit of tweaks, better kickstand, Haswell processor, better battery performance because of the lower power Haswell. And you're thinking, oh, they still don't get it. Apple would have never made an announcement like this. When Apple goes on on a bandwagon for mobility, they don't send you conflicting messages that detract from the momentum. And that's why Apple builds these technical currents, and that's why Apple is so effective in selling their products. We have a message that doesn't conflict with anything. And it's going to come in a moment with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joining us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. American gardeners and fellow patriots make the right choice with your money, time, and your family food supply. Choose 100% pure heirloom seeds in the Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com. Why spend more? The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com is only $37.95 and includes 20 varieties of pure, hardy, easy-to-grow heirloom seeds. Yes, only $37.95. That's 70% less than our competitors. You could buy three Survival Seed Vaults for less than one of theirs. The Survival Seed Vault from MyPatriotSupply.com includes detailed planting and seed saving instructions and ships same day. Plus, all orders over $49 ship free. MyPatriotSupply.com is American owned by patriots like you, passionate about freedom and preparedness. Call now, 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. Or discover more emergency preparedness items when you order at MyPatriotSupply.com. Choose the original. Choose the Survival Seed Vault at MyPatriotSupply.com. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. The message be done, and now new messages. I'm Gene Steinberg with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joining us. And he's talking about the fact that Microsoft has mixed messages. They buy Nokia, the handset division, to build the Lumia smartphones. So they bring it in-house, basically, and that's about it, with the same CEO that failed. He's a former Microsoft executive, by the way, Stephen Elop. And then the following week, they introduce the Surface 2. And there's no change in terms of focus. It's just a little bit better. They took a bad product and made it a tad better. It's not like Hey Jude from the Beatles, where you take a sad song and make it better. 
it is taking a bad product and making it eh, slightly better. So last week in my particle debris column, which is every Friday, I ran across an article uh, that I referenced, and I think it's one of the final nails in the coffin, and that is an article with the title, Windows is Losing Ground Among Enterprise Developers is Android Gains. There was a survey done, and you know we've talked to to developers at WWDC who who write for iOS but have done Windows development in the past, and 100% of them complain about how awful it was to develop for Windows. It was just mind-numbing, crushingly hard, and frustrating. And developing for Mac OS X and iOS with Xcode and and Objective C is a joy, and Apple's made sure that it's a joy. So here, all of a sudden now, we've got this flood of Android devices and bring your own device. And all of a sudden, enterprise developers have discovered that developing for Android is fun and profitable. And the employees of the company like it. And they've got Android devices. These developers are probably you know having fun doing iOS development too. But the point was that all of a sudden... With Microsoft saying we've got all eternity to catch up and building a doofus tablet with Windows, the whole world has gone orthogonal. They've gone mobile. They've gone iOS. They've gone Android. And the developers have gone in that direction, have gone with the flow. Let me give you the new name for the product. The Microsoft Doofus 2. <laughs> okay. So, so developers go with the flow. They go with excitement. They go with technical... Uh, concurrency and new things come out they want to be a state-of-the-art and they want to make money and with microsoft not selling very many of these surface tablets and android and ios selling like gangbusters guess where all the development momentum is and now this is like domino effect first you build a, a, a doofus tablet you say you've got lots of time to catch up you put windows on it Everybody rushes in the other direction, like all of a sudden the air rushing out of a room and, you know, into vacuum and you're left gasping. So what do you do? You have to try to catch up. But catching up is really hard these days. There's a, everybody else has a three-year head start. So what's Microsoft to do? I think they're in a bind. All right. So what does Microsoft do? Gut the project and start again? If I were, you know, what do I know? But if I were the CEO of Microsoft... Well, you used to work say, for Apple, you know something. I used to work for Apple. I was in SciTech marketing, and I was in federal sales, so I know a little bit about this. Um, yes, it's time to kill it. It's time to figure out what customers want. It's time to figure out how to build a modern tablet computer. It's time to give themselves a stepping stone to the future that doesn't involve Windows and Microsoft Office. It's time to go back and look at Courier and see if that's any good, if it's useful, if it has any utility, if it fits you know, three years later with, uh, with the modern mentality about tablets, or maybe they need to start all over again. They've got plenty of money in the bank. They've got some traction with Xbox. They're still selling you know, lots of PCs, even though the market's declining. They're still selling lots of copies of Windows. So they've got a window to build a stepping stone to the future. In the post-PC era, before the PC era completely collapses on them. And they're not, that stepping stone to the future is not the Surface tablet running Windows 8.1. Well, the thing you also have to realize here is that they may have time, but not a lot of time. I mean, you know, Apple is coming up with, what, the fifth generation iPad in a moment. Mm-hmm. We've got 
new generations of the Kindle from Amazon, and we'll have new Android products. The Android white box tablets they sell in Asia, millions of them. Maybe they don't go online. But the point being, you've right. got all this stuff exactly that's out there. And where is Microsoft's opportunity here? Because the world is slipping away from them, and now they're going to be hiring a new CEO, but they've already engaged in major changes, which is part of the problem. They've engaged in major corporate realignments. They brought in Nokia, knowing that the CEO is going to be gone soon. So they're basically tying the hands of the new CEO behind his back. I mean, he comes in, mm-hmm. what well, if he says that all this stuff was a waste of time? I didn't want Nokia in this company. I didn't want this. I didn't want that. No, well, they just hire that. somebody who no, is willing I, to accept the status quo. No, no, I don't agree with that. If, if Nokia were still a 100% Symbian company, then I would agree. But Nokia has gotten a clue. Nokia engineers and managers understand mobility. They understand smartphones. They, they've been doing this for longer than Microsoft. They've got some expertise. If, if Microsoft will just sit back and let them show the way to mobility, maybe that's the answer, is to gently move into you know, leveraging off of the expertise of that corporation. I think that was a wise decision Microsoft made. So maybe the decision here is to let Nokia take over Microsoft. Or the Nokia handset division takeover. No, I don't think that's the answer. Kind of like Next took over Apple. (laughs) You know, they're mentioning... That's that's, that's what happened. The Next infusion into Apple breathed life into Apple and set the direction. And for a long time, there was some Next powerhouses like Bertrand Soleil and other people who were were really kind of forming the vision of of, uh, Mac OS X. Uh, this, this could be happening with uh, Nokia and, and Microsoft if, 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 if several things happen. If they make a commitment to stepping stones to the future, understanding the post-PC era, uh, a savvy, smart, technical new CEO, letting Nokia uh, lend its expertise in mobility. If all those things happen, cool. Can it? Will it? I don't know. I was optimistic until I saw the presentation in New, in New York about the Surface 2. <laughs> Then you wondered. Now, some people yeah. suggesting the one way to make Microsoft change its ways is to get rid of the chairman of the board, one William Gates. I, I've seen that discussion. Brian Chaffin, who you've had on the show several times, uh, wrote about that. Um, um, I, I have not yet formed an opinion about that. Uh, Bill Gates has been very successful. Um, and, and what weighs on my mind, though, is perhaps the fact that Bill Gates didn't ride her on his friend Steve Ballmer sufficiently. You know, they, they met as college roommates. They've been friends for a long, long time. Well, that also creates and, a problem and, because it's hard. You know, this person is his friend for 35 years. It's yeah. hard to say, hey, man, this isn't going well. I'm going to have to change a few things. It's like, you know... It's your best friend. How do you tell him things like that? Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. He gave him a pass. And so the question is, um, is Bill Gates going to uh, exert the proper kind of leadership, given that he couldn't manage his friend Steve Ballmer properly, who let the company kind of fritter away? Uh, Is Bill Gates the right chairman of the board to lead Microsoft in the future with its new CEO? 
I don't have a definitive answer on that. I haven't studied it. I understand the sympathies of the people who are worried about that. It's a perfectly logical argument. But there's always things that are behind the scene. Just just because a few stories came out that you know that that Bill Gates and Sanofsky were of one mind, uh, you know, on Windows Forever, doesn't necessarily mean that Bill can't be an effective chairman of the board. After all, he's got tons of experience, and he's pretty well respected. So I'm not going to weigh in on that one. I think it's too early for me, anyway. For me. Okay, that's fair enough. We have. From the Mac Observer, the one, the only, John Martellero. I'm Gene Steinberg on the one and only Tech Night Now Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com that's the sound of a 44 Magnum and Trauma Max. A high-tech hybrid Kevlar bulletproof vest from InfidelBodyArmor.com will stop it and most pistol rounds. Trauma Max is a major breakthrough in pistol-rated body armor and prices start at just $170 per insert. More protection, more stopping power, more mobility, and it weighs less than 5 pounds. Get details at InfidelBodyArmor.com. That's I-N-F-I-D-E-L BodyArmor.com. You are now in the crosshairs. The NSA and the FBI are treating you like a criminal and monitoring your every move. Ron Paul said recently, The evidence of the totalitarian nature of this government is on display undeniably every day. What's taking place right now is a coup and the destruction of the Constitution. Fortunately, there is something you can do about it. Learn how to be invisible, lock down your privacy, and even disappear forever. Go to privacylockdown.com to learn how. That's privacylockdown.com. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy bodies. 
byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Ouch! My back is out again. Hi, Dr. Ortman with Wellspring Spinal Care. If you're experiencing neck, mid, or lower back pain, this information is for you. One of the complaints that I hear is patients receive their typical adjustment, only having to repeat them as the pain returns. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the battle. At Wellspring Spinal Care, we have the entire solution. We use the NUCA approach, utilizing three-dimensional x-rays and gentle touch technology to deliver specific correction. We then design a custom nutritional supplement program which provides essential nutrients targeting the areas of concern. With a NUCA approach and proper nutrition, you'll be on your way to a faster and more permanent recovery. To get you on the road to wellness, visit DrOrtman.com. That's D-R-O-R-T-M-A-N.com. Or call us today, 952-303-9124. That's 952-303-9124. Wellspring Spinal Care, chiropractic done right. know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg on the tech night owl live john martellero of the mac observer joining us with a bunch of stuff to talk about and one of these is i would call video rentals pay-per-view whatever so you can get your movies from Redbox, those kiosks you see near a Walmart or near a convenience store. You can get your online video rentals from Netflix, get your streaming. You can get videos from your cable TV or satellite provider. But John Martellero and Mrs. Martellero prefer iTunes and Apple TV. Why? Well, let me clarify first. What we're talking about here is the recently released movies. I like Netflix. We use it all the time. We watch Netflix on the Apple TV, uh, and we watch you know free movies that are the older movies as part of our monthly subscription. I don't have any heartburn uh, with that, and it's a great service. What I'm talking about in this article, why we rent movies from Apple and no one else, is recent movies, movies that have just been released uh, on Blu-ray and on, on pay-per-view and, and so-called video-on-demand services. And what it goes to is Apple's a company that has gone a long ways towards earning our respect and loyalty. They've built an infrastructure. The Apple TV is not just another box that sits under our plasma. It's part of an integrated system. It's married to iTunes back on my Mac. Uh, I've got iPads uh, that uh, are part of the system, and I can put my movies on the iPad. I can stream the iPad. I can use streaming from the iPad back to the Apple TV. I I have, you know, Macs that have been using iTunes for a long, long time, both rental and, and, and buying occasional movies. I do my messaging. I do my calendars. I do uh, my reminders. 
my life is built around the Apple product. And it's all very well integrated. For example, if I buy a movie on Blu-ray, there's a piece of paper inside that says I that you've got a, a, a digital uh, version. So I enter the, the code on iTunes, and it's now logged as a purchase. And guess what? With this version 6 on the Apple TV, it shows up as a purchased movie with just entering a code. All right? So I've got this pleasant uniform, coherent, wide-ranging network and system that I've been loyal to for, for years. So then DirecTV comes along and they say, well, we got movies for sale too. Well, why should I send my money to, to DirecTV when my loyalty is with, with Apple and I'd rather see them succeed? And, of course, in the story I mentioned about how enjoying modern Apple products is quite a different experience than a cable or satellite experience where they send you a box, not of your choice. And it's maybe not the latest technology, not state-of-the-art. Oh, yeah, this is a big thing here now Uh, where a lot of times you go in there and you set up Dish Network or DirecTV or your cable, especially with Dish and Direct. And they keep touting the great features of their brand new box, like we have the Genie system of DirecTV, which right. is one of these whole house kind of things where you can record up to three or four shows at a time five, five. and watch and watch the fifth one or record five shows at a time. That's wonderful because mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. of my favorite shows are on opposite each other. So this is great to have that feature. But I had to fight tooth and nail to get one of those boxes without paying $300 up front because of the fact that I got the service with the older box. They said, well, it'll be 300 for new. But I said, if I canceled today and I signed up, they would give me one free. It gets and, worse. It gets worse. And, okay, I got them to do that, by the way. it took. Well, I had to go through like 12 levels of support <laughs> and contact yeah. the home yeah. office at the main factory center mm-hmm. and demand mm-hmm. to speak to the president's assistant. But you get it done. And, and and worse, if you've got, say, an HR24 like we have in the living room and, and uh, you've got a lot of content on there you haven't yet watched and it dies, all that content dies with it. Because you can't it, just take the hard drive and swap it because the can. problem may be the drive. Right. It's a traditional and, mechanical drive. And if you want to replace the HR24 with a Genie system, you have to turn in the HR24. It gets replaced with a Genie again. All your content that you recorded that you have not viewed is gone. You have to have a watching binge. And then, yes, that's right. My HR22 in a bedroom failed. That's a product I got in 2009. All right. So when it failed, they sent me a new one. And what did they do? They sent me a new HR22, which is a four-year-old product. And I mentioned that in the article. I thought, gee, they didn't say, John, hey, we've got this latest and greatest system. We want you to have the best possible hardware. No, they just sent me another uh, refurbished replacement 2009 box. Didn't suggest that they had any pride in their equipment. It didn't suggest to me as a customer that they wanted to keep me up to date with the latest and greatest. But there is a postscript. After the article was published, I got an email from the office of the president of DirecTV. Isn't that strange? I'll tell you a story about that after you get finished. After sure. you write a story, yeah. suddenly, oh, the press is oh, writing bad yeah. stuff about us. We've got to That's fix right. that. That's right. So now they're going to make it right. Okay, let me tell you what I did. I bought these knockoff imitation refilled 
ink cartridges. I have an HP OfficeJet Pro of something or other, one of their higher-end models. And it's a beautiful inkjet multifunction, faxing, copying, printing. Really good, really fast, not as noisy as some of these things. Okay, so I buy that cartridge from the recycler. And it works okay for a few iterations, and then the quality gets worse and worse. And I see also they're pulling a trick where they're filling the black cartridge half as much to get less life out of it. And I'll mention the company's name because I wrote an article about Cartridge World. So I went back to the store and said, you know, you have a guarantee, a 30-day guarantee. I want my money back. And they said, well, the boss has to call you back. Never calls me back. So I run the story. No response. Before I wrote the story, by the way, I went to the corporate website because it's a franchised operation. And I said, you know what? I wrote, here's my problem. I have defective product. It's not suitable for my needs. I want my money back. No response. I did it twice. No response. I wrote the article. No response. I sent a copy of the article to their PR department. Two days later, the owner of the local store says, come on in, I'll take care of you. So since the black cartridges are more expensive, I brought them back two of them and got a refund. But I didn't have to think. If I'm a regular customer of Cartridge World or DirecTV, you shouldn't have to use the power of the press to get attention from these people. It should be just good business. It's good business to want to satisfy your customers. It's good business to want to make them know that you care about them that you care they're paying a lot of money every month for your services, and you don't want them to cut the cord. That's exactly the point. You know, I had had an iPod Nano that was first generation, and there was a recall on that. And so I sent it in, but there was a battery issue. I sent it in thinking that, you know, somewhere they were going to scrounge up enough first generation iPod Nanos. This was 2010 when the sixth generation Nano was out, the little watch style thing, the little square one. And so I sent it back in in the prepaid box, and guess what? Instead of sending me a refurbished old uh, iPod Nano with possibly a, a scratch display, I got a brand new iPod Nano, sixth g- generation. And I thought, well, you know, maybe it's because they didn't have uh, supplies of the old one, but they could have sent me something lesser. But I got the feeling that Apple wanted me to have the latest and greatest. Here's our, here's our best product. Your old product, you had to give it up. It was possibly dangerous on a recall. We're taking care of you. Here, here's a new iPod, sixth generation. Enjoy. They're giving you the equivalent product just in the current generation. Right. But you also have to right. wonder about a company, how much are they spending a place like Dish Network or DirecTV to take these older boxes and constantly refurbish them for new customers? And you think, in the end, is that serving their interests, especially at a time when you look at the profit-loss statements and you see the growth has stalled in the cable and satellite industry? What do you do to bring these customers back? I mean, you advertise all these come-ons. You know, you sign a two-year contract. It's mm-hmm. $29.95 a month. But, of course, that's a lie. No matter what happens, suddenly the price goes up before the two years, whatever. You know, they have all these deals to attract you to be a customer. But we have people saying, you know, I'll just live with... Netflix, and with iTunes. And that's it. I don't care about current TV. If I want current TV, I'll stick an antenna on my TV. And if you're not so far from the station, you get the local shows and you get those shows. We're going to get this to you folks. We're talking to John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. 
here in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. The National Preppers and Survivalist Expo, presented by Triton Shelter Technologies, is the only national event designated for the prepper community. October 19th and 20th at the North Atlanta Trade Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Admission is free, and the doors open at 9 a.m. Join us and learn life-saving tips that can help you and your family handle crisis situations. Special guests include Kevin O'Brien from Nat Geo's Doomsday Preppers, David Crawford, author of Lights Out, the director and cast members from the movie Lights Out Saga, and more. Special guest speakers include GCN's own Dr. Joel Wallet, along with Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy, and Tom Martin, the director of the American Preppers Network, two-time field and stream champion Chad Weatherford, along with many other leading experts from around the country. Join us for the country's largest emergency preparedness event, absolutely free, October 19th and 20th at the North Atlanta Trade Center in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information, visit NPSExpo.com. That's NPSExpo.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, would you cut the cord, or do you have to have your satellite? Right now, it's not cost-effective to cut the cord. I calculated that it costs us 58 cents an hour to watch DirecTV based on our monthly bill and how many hours a month we watch. Whereas a high-definition episode of, say, Continuum on Sci-Fi Channel costs two ninety nine in high-definition. I want yeah, you to so- know... That Continuum is a great show, and the acting is is top caliber. It's wonderful. wonderful. The star of the show is a (laughs) wonderful actress, and I'm wondering why she's stuck up in Canada. Rachel Nichols. Rachel Nichols is an awesome actress. Why is she up there? Why isn't she on network TV? Well, you know, she was an alias for a while. She was, I think, the last season or two. But anyway... The point that I want to make here, wrapping up on on DirecTV, is, is that there are ways to generate loyalty with a customer you know you you have a website that provides them with good information i quizzed direct tv about why this stuff was trapped on the dvr and they said well that's the agreements we have with hollywood and i said well apple allows me to you know back up my uh itunes library to an external drive 
they allow me to sync it to my iPad and I can watch it anywhere. And she says, well, you know, Apple's got its agreements. We have ours. Well, they need to fix theirs. Uh, their emails need to provide, you know, helpful information, uh, uh, keep you up to date. You need to be able to, to know, you know, when your, uh, to your contract is up so that you're eligible for upgrades. I asked why I wasn't offered an upgrade to the HR 22 and they looked in the files and they said, well, so what did you do on April 2013 to, to recycle your two-year obligation? I said, nothing. And they said, well, you're, you're not eligible for an upgrade. And because of a marker here in April 2013 that, you know, you did something new and that killed your opportunity for an upgrade of the HR 22. And I go, okay, what was it? What did I do? And so the woman from the office of the president of the company goes and looks at my file and she says, guess what? There was nothing there. It was a mistake. <laughs> so I was eligible for an upgrade to the HR 22, but I was never offered it because why? Uh, their computer system wasn't so good. That, of course, was a lie. They're just trying to make you feel good. Oh, we were going to give it to you, but the memo didn't reach you. You didn't yeah. get the memo. That's it. You know, I don't believe them. And that's right. where it goes. So, so if you don't have any loyalty to the company for all these reasons, then why would you worry about cutting the cord? The cable companies, the satellite companies have a certain kind of business practice and a certain kind of approach to the customer that doesn't really generate the kind of loyalty that Apple succeeds in doing. And so if you thought about severing your life with Apple, if you thought about throwing away your iPad, giving up iCloud, throwing your Mac in the trash, getting rid of everything you own in the Apple, destroying your iTunes library. If you thought about severing your relationship with Apple, it would be heartbreaking. You couldn't do it. You wouldn't want to do it. You wouldn't. It would be insane because there would ever, never be any rational reason for doing that because uh, Apple doesn't piss off that many customers that often. They're, they're a company that you love to love. But cable companies snip the cord in a second. No loyalty to them whatsoever because they don't have any loyalty respect for us in my in my opinion in my perception my experience well i know for example that my brother-in-law had direct tv he was offered prism which is a tv service offered by CenturyLink, and they promised him a better price so he said okay cool there you go he switched over saving what 30 40 dollars a month now that's one of those things where you gotta sign up for a year or two to get that savings but as far as he's concerned that was okay but then prism despite all the claims, is really not that much better than these other services, maybe worse. But I think they advertise that you're able to use multiple devices. Let's get away from cable TV and go to big iPads. Ah, yes. Okay, favorite topic of John Martellero. (laughs) It seems there are reports, published reports. I think the Wall Street Journal had one, so you have to believe the Wall Street Journal. Although they've severed their ties as of the end of this year with Walt Mossberg and Kara Swisher. We'll see what happens there. In any case, the suggestion here is that not just a 9.7-inch iPad, but a 12-inch iPad. 12, 13, 14. Whatever. Same as a regular notebook. Have you ever seen a company that came out with a line of products where they didn't flesh it out based on customer needs? Have you ever seen a company that didn't launch a product that was really popular but fit a certain price point, and then they discovered that there were other customers that they hadn't satisfied, uh, who had different needs. Uh, they didn't come out with an expanded product. Every company does that. Olaclip is doing it with their lenses for the iPhone. Car companies do it uh, so that they can hit all the different customer 
price points and needs. If you think about the future of iPads, it would be insane to say that, you know, the 9.7 inch iPad is going to be fixed forever. And I want to bet, I won't mention with who, uh, but I want to bet with another technical writer that that uh, last year Apple would come out with a 7-inch iPad, and that writer said, no way. So that writer owes me lunch. You so said 7 inch. She could say, well, it's 7.9 inches that you didn't uh, win. Oh, I think I said 7-inch class to cover my bet. Aha, uh-huh. okay. Aha. Uh-huh. So my theory for a long time, ever since the iPad came out, was is that the natural evolution of the iPad as the technology changes, as batteries gets better, as our ability to make bigger displays gets better, uh, as the market expands and, and new uses are discovered, that um, we would see larger iPads. And I gave some examples in the article. You know, these retail displays that you see at, at Nordstrom's and Dillard's where they have products, they'd like you to show their products and a bigger display rather than a little tiny 10-inch display. Uh, engineers would like to m- move towards content creation rather than just content consumption, and you need a bigger screen for that. Big megapixel cameras means you need bigger displays to do your editing on. You need a larger working area for a lot of content creation, and Apple's pushing content creation uh, through you know free iWork. I wrote, I wrote a series of articles last year on magazines and 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 ebook readers on tablets and reading a magazine on a 9.7 inch ipad it can be a little painful because of the small type and the magazine companies have to uh, have to go through hoops to create content that you can read if it's a pdf then the type is too small if you zoom in on the type you lose perspective on the rest of the screen if they change the way it's presented, like Scientific American, where you scroll right and left of the articles and you scroll up and down for content, that's better because then you can have a lot of built-in images and the text can be bigger. There's all different things you have to do in order to jump through hoops to make the, t- the, the magazine and the newspaper more readable on this tiny screen. Let me just interrupt you with a section on this. Magazine pages, especially print magazines, are designed to make an entire page work as a unit with illustrations and texts and titles right. and subtitles. Right, right, okay, right. You don't look at the paragraph, you look at the entire page. But when you're using a tablet, you throw it out of the window because the iPad mini at 7.9 inches, the iPad 9.7 inches, well, they're a little bit small. Yep. But if you had something which provides a full letter-sized page, which would be, what, 13 inches diagonally, whatever, suddenly you have an advantage. Now, the problem and the limitation is portability because right now you think of the large iPad as being heavy, although Apple is probably at work slimming it down. But when you talk about a supersized iPad, it's not going to weigh that much less than a notebook, maybe two pounds, two and a half pounds instead of three. Yeah, something in that range. Um, I think that argument's false. I think people are simplistic when they say, well, a bigger iPad's too heavy to carry around. Um, that's like saying that a year's subscription of uh, Scientific American is too heavy for me to carry around. Yes, you but of course, that, some of these right? magazines you, used to weigh as much you, as a notebook computer. Well, you, Not anymore, but they used you, to weigh you quite a bit. You don't treat your subscription library like that, right? You don't carry around all 12 issues and then pick one, right? 
Same thing. Uh, well, same you know, thing. speak for yourself. You know, I, I, <laughs> well, I can the stuff them in the, in the trunk of my car, and then anytime I have to okay. visit somebody, larger. I need to read. Like I go to a doctor's office, I could just say, you know what? I'll take out the latest issue of Motor Trend or Mac World or right. Mac Life or Mac Tech or something like that. Let's take out this for a moment. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I just said something that makes no sense, whatever. <laughs> But people have been saying that about me for years. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30%, while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us, and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Time and time again. You need to come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Will the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me? Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. 
Hi, I'm Pastor Ginny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned I don't have to put up with disease, decay, or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA drops and order a free sample today. Visit rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call toll-free 888-577-3703. Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at rnafreesample.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So should there be... A larger iPad for content creators. That's the key, Gene. When, you, when you're a content creator, the, the iPad stays, tends to stay fixed. Okay. And ten, tends to be moved when necessary, as now, this opposed is a, to being this, mobile all the time. Okay, this is a big thing here, because we're talking about direct competition with a traditional notebook computer. Now, of course, you think of the iPad as a trade-off, smaller screen, whatever. And, of course, the fact that you have to be willing to type on glass, although you can get a physical keyboard. But now you're taking the larger iPad into standard notebook territory. Suddenly, the rules have changed. Certainly, with content creators, audio editing, video editing, having a bigger screen is an advantage. And then, as far as typing, you might consider, then, having a separate keyboard. Maybe. Let let me give you a use case on this mobility thing, because I think it's a false issue. You're an engineer, and you're designing something, and you've got a rendering, and you're in your office. Okay, and so now you're ready to uh, show it to the project manager. So what do you do? You pick up your 13-inch iPad, which weighs two pounds, and you walk into his office, and you give him a demo. He looks at the rendering, and he says, oh, yeah, that's cool. And so then you take it back to your office, and you continue your work. Then you have a dentist appointment, and you know you're going to be sitting in the dentist's office for an hour. What do you do? You take your iPad mini. Why? Because the mini is appropriate for portability and for travel. And the 13-inch iPad is appropriate for the office and for technical work and for content creation and occasionally moves around for convenience. Not true? That makes a good point. The question is, will Apple want to go that way? Well, it depends on the market size. Now, when you, when you saturate a market, uh, you, you look for ways to you know, expand your market. And then you have to make a technical and marketing and sales assessment about whether there's a big enough market to justify the investment in R&D resources to make a larger tablet. Um, There's also the issue of compete against yourself or someone else will. And, of course, there are um, possibilities that, you know, Samsung and and, uh, Amazon and and Google might come out with larger tablets. So Apple has to defend its uh, flanks. Uh, Apple's moving towards content creation, and as we know, the tablet era was launched great at 10 inches for content consumption, but 
as we just discussed, we're going to need a larger screen for content creation. I'm, I'm thinking that one of these days, maybe in 2015, I'll be sitting here with a 15-inch iPad writing my articles for the Mac Observer instead of my 27-inch iMac. I mean, I, and I mean, I might even have a secondary screen attached to the iPad. Um, so it, it all boils down to whether the, the market opportunity is there and whether Apple can make money doing it and whether Apple has technical agendas uh, in the future that might require a larger screen. For example, there might be technologies that Apple wants to exploit, telemedicine um, through FaceTime or uh, computer-aided uh, graphics design uh, that where they're going to seize a market or they've got technologies that are you know behind the scenes where the engineers know that they're going to be needing a bigger screen in the future. And so Apple thinks, you know, and plans for that. Okay, so this is your position. How do you assess the chances for this? I wouldn't be surprised if Apple came out with a uh, a 13-inch iPad here in, in October coming up. Although we've heard enough rumors to suggest that there is a, a bigger screen coming out. You know, everybody's talking about innovation. Everybody says, oh, Apple, please stagger and stun us. Take our breath away. All right, so... Here's what could happen. Um, an iPad mini 2S in gold. Stand around the block for hours waiting for that one. Um, a 9.7-inch iPad with 802.11 AC and fingerprint recognition. Okay, cool. And a 13-inch iPad with a retina display, you know, 4,000 by 2,000 or something like that. Costing, what, 1200 would be awesome. What would it cost? Twelve, fifteen hundred dollars? I wouldn't go for fifteen hundred. I would think you know nine ninety nine base price for something like that, and then uh, in some great colors again with fingerprint recognition and probably some little extra added spice, you know something that exploits that big screen. Have you ever played with flight simulators on nine inch screen? Not so great. That's too small. But a thirteen or fourteen inch screen, the F eighteen flight simulator would be just awesome. Games would be awesome. You know, there's always this thing lurking where you go, you know, what haven't we thought of? What, what, are, the, what are we reading about in the, in the technical press? And what are we missing? What's that little added, extra added spice that Apple's going to come out with? You know, a 13-inch iPad in your lap for playing games would be stunning. Hmm. Hmm. You know what? That sounds fascinating. I wouldn't necessarily find myself buying one unless I got used to editing the audio for the show on a touchpad. You know, I'm so used to doing it with a mouse. <laughs> you will someday. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. You know, I just hope I'm not too old again to appreciate the advantages for something like that. You know, we all get set in our ways. I got used to the iPhone, though. It's a constant companion. I'm not as much into the iPad. I should tell you that. I don't use it that much. My wife uses it like 98% of the time. I grab it from her when I have to test something or update the software or mm. try something new. Otherwise, it's the iMac or it's the iPhone. I cannot watch TV anymore without an iPad in my lap. And a lot of people do that. And there's things you can do. You can catch up on your email during something that's boring. On my DVR, you know, I step through the commercials with the fast forward, but... Uh, if there's something going on where my wife is interested in a program like Haven, which I hate Haven. She you loves hate Haven. Haven? I, I, it's a worst show on television. I despise it. It's disgusting. So I'll sit and watch Haven, you know, kind of like on and off with her just to be with her on Friday night. 
I'll have my iPad in my lap and I'll be doing something different with it. I'll be looking at international movie database. I'll be catching up on Twitter. Uh, I'll be uh, checking on, uh, on our ratings at the Mac observer. I'll be doing my obligatory, you know, reading at Mac surfer, um, or, uh, tech meme. So, uh, you know, there's lots of things to do while you're sitting on the couch and when I am engaged in a movie, I never watch a movie without having International Movie Database open and on my iPad in front of me. Because then I know the names of every actor on the screen and their real name and their, and, their, and their fictional name in the movie. And there's some background on the movie and then there's reviews and stuff like that. So I never watch a movie anymore without IMDb open and running to that movie. I just happen to have it open on my iPhone. Okay? I use it with my iPhone which is more convenient because it's so small. I can just stick it to the side when I'm not looking up that information mm-hmm. or checking the email. That's mm-hmm. my work pattern. You have your work pattern, and that's how it goes. And we're not going to argue about that, except maybe after the show is over. John Martellero, <laughs> would you please tell our listeners where they can find more of the great things that you do? Great. This is John Martellero, Senior Editor of the Mac Observer. And you can find us at www.macobserveronword.com. And I think the opening question here is not Steve Ballmer is stepping down whether Brian Chaffin is going to continue to do the great imitations. He also does a great <laughs> Bill Gates imitation, by the way. We want to get more of that. John Martellero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It was a pleasure. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are. The GCN Radio Network. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. 
an e-cig revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig is. Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by LeSig a long time ago. LeSig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, LeSig smokes the competition with fast, free, same-day shipping, real people customer service, and a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a Vapriate at LeSig.com. Or call 870-525-1440. 870-525-1440. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Every time you eat a cooked food, your body responds by producing an increase in circulating white blood cells. This happens because nature designed us to eat food that is undamaged at the molecular level. When we heat food to normal cooking temperatures, we change the shape of the molecules into shapes the body cannot use. The body now looks at them as toxins and allergens. In an effort to protect itself from this irritant, the body intelligently increases the amount of circulating white blood cells to act as garbage collectors. The white blood cells gobble up all the unusable damage food particles to neutralize their cell damaging properties. This puts stress on your organs of elimination and your body is subject to cell damage and inflammation. If you'd like to start experiencing the benefits of undamaged protein in your diet, give One World Way a try. It is a truly undamaged protein powder that will thrill your tastes and every cell of your body. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWHEY.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have the iTunes guy, Kirk McElhern, joining us. He, as are hundreds of millions of others, is a new user of iOS 7. But at least, I'll tell you the truth here, it's going to take a while for all the things to settle out. There are reports of some bugs. Did you hear the one where people are complaining that they're getting motion sickness from all the animations and the parallax effect? Sure, I did. Um, I wrote about it on my website. And by the way, thanks for having me back again, Gene. I wrote about it on my website because I actually have a bit of a condition that is affected by this. Now, iOS 7 in particular didn't bother me, but I understand how it can bother other people. And I particularly understand that there are settings that can make some of this a little better, but not enough. You can mitigate some of it, but it doesn't resolve the problem. And there's a guy named Craig Granell who wrote an article in the Guardian newspaper. He asked me for a comment. He got comments from a number of people. And it was pretty sad to see the number of people who had all these negative comments to this article as if well, it's not a problem that exists. You know, you wouldn't say that to someone who's like crippled or something. Um, as if switching one little setting is going to make a difference, which it doesn't. There's a, a setting called reduce motion in the accessibility settings on the iPhone. And what this does is it removes the parallax effect. The parallax is this effect that makes it look like icons are floating over your, your wallpaper. But it doesn't have any effect on anything 
such as the the way that uh, apps zoom from their icons. So you tap an icon and it zooms in from the corner of the screen or the side of the screen that it's on. Um, there are a number of problems that I think really need to be fixed. And in my article, I wrote about it in part talking about Time Machine, which has bothered me since the very beginning. You know, you have those stars that move towards you behind your, your, your windows in Time Machine, and that disturbs me a great deal. Well, I know a lot of people are disturbed by Apple, no matter what Apple does. But I, I see your point there. And unfortunately, the parallax effect appears to be just one issue. It's the zooming that really drives people crazy. I guess some people. It doesn't drive me crazy. It don't, doesn't bother me Well, no, because someone I know and I respect on Twitter posted something when this started. Um, I know lots of iOS users, and it doesn't bother any of them. Now, frankly, that sort of statement really annoys me. I won't mention his name, but that sort of statement really annoys me because it's suggesting that people are just making this up just because the people you know don't have this problem. This affects people who have balance problems, whether they're vestibular balance problems, so they come from the inner ear, or whether they're neurological. I have a neurological condition, um, and I have some balance issues. So I understand how the problem can be very, very difficult for some of these people. But dismissing it just by saying, oh, no one I know has the problem, so it can't be real, that's just insulting. Well, I think that's part of the issue here, but I think the main question would be, why would Apple not notice this? I would think among all the Apple engineers, a very few percent have to have some kind of problem. Maybe, maybe not. Um, there are a lot of things that Apple doesn't seem to have noticed. I think we spoke about last time I was on the show about um, the fonts being very thin. To me, it looks like the Apple engineers didn't test this in the sun. Look at the Mail app in iOS. When you go out and you try and figure out, if you haven't memorized yet, which button is which at the bottom of the Mail app. So there's one to move something to a folder, to a trash, whatever. If you look at this outside in the sunlight, it's very, very, very hard to see. The same with even reading emails. The font's very thin. The font isn't, you know, it looks great indoors. I'm looking right now at my iPhone, and all the fonts and all of Apple's things look really good. Um, but once you get outside, or if you have vision problems, I don't have good eyesight, so this is a big problem for me. There are things you simply can't see. H have you tried to use notes yet? At the top of the Notes app in iOS, you have things like Notes and Done and stuff like that in yellow against a white background. Now, there are colors that are really easy to see, black against white. It's no surprise that books are generally printed with black ink on, on whitish paper. Um, but yellow on a, a white background is almost impossible to see indoors. Forget about it when you're outdoors. You know what? I can see it right now, and I obviously have my eyes and not your eyes to compare it by. But there is a setting in the accessibility preference to increase contrast or improve contrast. Did you try yeah, it that? it doesn't affect that. The setting that helps the most for me is the one that um, turns on bold fonts. This makes mail readable for me, whereas otherwise it's not. Um, I've got an article on my website where I sh have some screenshots comparing just what it looks like to see mailboxes, to see a mailbox in bold and not bold. So if you go to my website, you're going to have to look for it. Let's see, I'm trying to find what the title of the post is while we're talking here. If you just look for bold font on my website, you'll probably find it. And, or you can just try it yourself. Um, go into the accessibility settings, look for the, the bold font um, setting, and you'll see that it makes a difference. But it doesn't make a difference everywhere. The increased contrast only affects a certain number of things. None of these settings really do everything 
that can make a difference. I'll tell um, you what, I don't like the bold setting. I think it's too bold. I would rather have some kind of intermediary setting. It's too drastic, somewhere too, yeah. in the middle. I, I would rather have a, a white, medium, and bold setting. So you can choose. You can choose for what suits you. The, the problem is that you know you're on a computer, and you generally have font and size settings for for most apps, um, be it Safari or Mail or whatever, or a Twitter app. You're going to be able to make a lot of these changes to to suit your eyesight. Um, but here, where it makes a difference because the screen is smaller, and because you're generally in or you're often in situations where the light is stronger, so it's harder to see. This is where we really need more options. And Apple should be doing this. Um, a lot of third-party apps don't do it. A lot of third-party Twitter apps, for instance, don't have um, font settings that I consider appropriate. They may just have like small, medium, and large, which I don't find to be enough. Um, but I think Apple should be doing a lot better on this front. I think in terms of the multiple weights of fonts, yes. The light, medium, and bold makes sense. An intermediary it's not complicated. Step. It, it doesn't affect the broader design um, statement of iOS 7. So doing something like that is almost a no-brainer because it's very easy. If they're going to have a, a regular and a bold setting, then why not have a medium setting? It's really not complicated. I would agree with you. I think Apple also should add an option to turn off the animations for the people like you and some who are more severely infected by these problems to deal with it. Now, it doesn't mean Apple's not going to do that. I mean, if there are enough complaints out there, I would think Apple would consider adding those settings in a future iOS 7 update. This is version 7.0.2. It's very early in the game. Well, it's safe to consider it 7.0 because the 01 and the 02 are really just bug fixes. So nothing has been changed in the 01 and the 02 that affects anything as broad as, for instance, um, you know, the way things are displayed. It's really bug fixes. One of them was a bug fix. I think the old one was a bug fix for the fingerprint sensor, maybe. And I don't remember what the O2 was, but they're, they're both very small, tiny bug fix updates. And there's a report that another one, yet another one, is going to be coming next week with even more fixes. Well, yeah, because like any, um, as President Obama pointed out in his speech the other day, um, an operating system is going to have bugs and they're going to get fixed. Uh, well, he was and, talking, of course, about the U.S. Affordable Health Care Act or Obamacare servers. But, you know, there's a more involved issue there. And right now their servers are being slammed. And someone... Because so many people want health care that's affordable. It's simple. It's part of it, but I think they're getting attacked. I think it's more than uh, that. You think? I think. I know you, we were attacked think the last party, week. You think the Tea Party is hitting them with denial of service attacks? I think somebody is. And the reason I say that is because one of the Fox News hosts let it slip that maybe the problems they're having in New York State are because of denial of service attacks. And I thought, gee, how would that person even know it? Because they're not really tech savvy. So yeah. I wonder about that. We had a denial of service attack on one of our servers. I'll get into more of this stuff in a moment. We're talking about iOS settings problems and motion sickness and such. We have the emotionally not sick Kirk McElhern joining us on the Tech Night Out Live.
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Wouldn't it be nice to have one product that replaces more than 10, saving you space, time, and money? HempUSA.org has a complete full-spectrum vitamin mineral detox formulation called Microplant Powder Gold. Microplant Powder Gold contains 101 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and iodine, has a 100-year shelf life, and is a perfect addition to any storage shelter. Make Microplant Powder Gold your choice. Call 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org today. Are you ready for a natural disaster, a downturn in the economy, or inflation? Prepare yourself. Come to the Self-Reliance Expo at the National Western Complex this Friday and Saturday, October 4th and 5th. Learn about food and water storage, emergency power, shelters, and precious metals, hands-on training like marksmanship, suturing classes, emergency shelters, backyard farming, and so much more. Activities for the whole family. Come to the Self-Reliance Expo at the National Western Complex this Friday and Saturday, October 4th and 5th. Tickets and schedules available at selfrelianceexpo.com. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months. 
simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. We have Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Owl Live, and he said when I delivered my last segue, you got to do better than that. And I said, well... Okay, there you go. I'll try next time. But we were talking about the denial of service attacks. We had them on a server that's in a Utah data center. and So not, a, not something you host at home? No, I don't host anything at home. You know, okay. I, I barely host myself at home, I'll tell you. But okay. the long and short of it is we have another server we use that's in Montreal. And we moved everything over there. No more problem. So maybe they're just attacking us in the U.S. Maybe they thought they were going to healthcare.gov. I don't know. That's what if that's what you think. Up to you to decide. But yet, no, you have a point about a denial of service. Could very well be because um, it seems that a, a number of people on the Republican side are suggesting that this thing, this Affordable Care Act, is not a good thing because the servers aren't responding. I think that the the reaction one should have is, of course, the servers aren't responding because there are so many millions of people who want affordable health care. So suggesting that this is a problem, that a lot of people want health care, um, it's quite the opposite. It's showing how successful this is, how many people do want this. But do you want to talk about politics, really? Because if we get into this, it's, you know, can of worms. Uh, we're getting real close to the can of worms, I'll tell you that. But... Let's leave the politics aside. I was only referencing it in terms of denial of service attacks. Yeah, I I like to stay away from politics. If we're talking about tech, let's just talk about techs. Okay, so we go back to the settings and the fact that there ought to be more to address people with issues of motion sickness. I'm sure Apple can probably fix that without a lot of work. Well, we have to assume that certain of these settings are... Turn offable, if that's a word. Turn offable. Um, turn offable. Yeah, let's make it a word. I like it. You like it? We, we talked about the fonts. You could make another font weight. It's basically instead of having a, a, a toggle switch, a slider, you'd have to have a menu or, or one of those things where you tap in the settings and you have several options in a list. That's pretty easy to do. If you want to turn off the animations, there's probably a switch to do that that's already there that they've been using for debugging. I doubt it's very complicated. I doubt it's going to take a dozen engineers a month to fix. You think maybe a week or two? I have no idea. You know, any change like that has to be tested. But I don't think it's something that's complicated enough that they have to write a whole lot of code. Um, They'll have to obviously add another setting for it, but it's not that complicated. It, it doesn't seem complicated to me. Again, we don't know how much work goes into something like this. And we have to understand also that Apple apparently whipped a lot of iOS 7 together after Jonathan Ive took over, at least in terms of the interface issues. So yeah. maybe some of the structural changes were already underway, but that also means it's 
perhaps, no doubt, a little ragged on the edges, and Apple can go through now in the future maintenance updates to get around this. Did you hear of a problem, before we go back to settings, did you hear of a problem with the accuracy of the accelerometer and all that other stuff that it's apparently off a few degrees? Yeah, apparently with the compass and the level, it's not very accurate. Um, My iPhone 5S is currently in Shenzhen, China, um, so I won't be able to test it until next week. But I have seen some things about this, yeah. I would think that's something that can be dealt with in software, though, that you wouldn't have to throw out all the hardware. It's just a matter of doing some settings to compensate if there's a consistent error, that's all. Yeah, they'd have to find how consistent the error is, and the error would have to be consistent. Um, but you can't imagine would, Apple's going to have to exchange 10, 15 million iPhone 5Ss, maybe. Who knows? Well, I don't know how many people are hit by this, whether it was something that was uh, affecting a lot of iPhones or just a handful of them. But yeah, it's something they'd have to fix. I, I can't see them... They, it's like you can't. You got to recall a car when the brakes don't work. Now, obviously, the compass and the and the um, the level aren't brakes. They're not that important. But I, I kind of think it's something that they would have to fix. And if they can't fix it with software, they really don't have a choice. Well, I haven't tested mine. I have an iPhone 5s right here. I have not tested that. Let's get back to settings. Okay. So we know about the accessibility settings, the motion sickness stuff like that. That Apple ought to find a way to address, and probably it's not a considerable issue. All right, let's get to the settings. Now, your point is here, and the settings aren't altogether different from previous iOS versions, but you're thinking they're getting ungainly. Well, I think they've been this way for a while, but I did, when I... When I upgraded my iPhone to iOS 7, I've been running the iOS 7 betas on an iPod Touch for a while. And when I upgraded my iPhone to the to iOS 7 and started going through the settings, it just I realized how many settings there are. There were just way too many. Um, when you go into the settings app, you've you scroll down. You got a long list. There's a number of different sections, and uh, you have a whole bunch of Apple settings, and then the last section is third-party apps. If you only count the Apple settings and you only count the top-level entries, so the first ones that you see when you go into settings, there are 35 of them. If you go into each top-level entry, you have literally hundreds of discrete settings. And I, I started to count them, but I lost track. There were so many. Um, I think Apple needs to group these a lot better. You know, you look at the way... Um, the system preferences app works in OS 10. You have, first of all, you have fewer top level settings. So those are the icons in system preferences. Um, let's see, you have 1, 2, 3, 4, 8, 16, 32, 37. You have 37 of them. Um, when you look at the system preference app, preferences app in OS 10, you have 29 icons. So those would be the equivalent of the top level settings compared to 35 on the phone. Um, and you have hundreds of settings, but the way they do it in, in OS ten has never, ever bothered me because of the fact that they've got tabs and they've got um, – some of them have buttons that you cl- click to get more options. Think of the Time Machine setting, for instance, if you want to exclude um, folders from Time Machine. But one of the things that's really good in the System Preferences app, and some of the people listening may not realize, if you – are looking for a setting, you can type a word into the text field at the top right of the app, and the app itself dims with little spotlights on top of the different 
icons that have that setting. And they need something like that in iOS. They need something at the top of the list. You start typing, and slowly the list could narrow down, and all of the, the, the top-level entries that don't contain that word could just disappear. So you have a much more limited view of which settings you need to look in when you're looking to change something. But you can't do that with iOS, unfortunately. Well, you could. They could put a search field. Well, I'm saying not, not until they change that. Right. They could put a, a spotlight-type search field at the top of the settings app. Um, and an, another problem that I noticed is I was looking for the parental control settings in iOS 7. Now, I think they haven't been called parental controls for a while. They're called restrictions. But it took me for a while to find them because they're called restrictions. Um, in OS 10, they're called parental controls. So while we've seen a lot of, um, what would be the word, coherencing, I'm going to create another new word today, um, coherencing between iOS and, and OS 10, so using the same names for apps like messages and calendar and contacts, um, we're not seeing that yet in settings, and I think that would be very useful um, to, to make these, to use the same terms in both of them. Well, they've been saying things about me being coherent, but they never talked about my coherencing. No. But that's um, not a very me, coherent comment. Let me just tell our listeners here that we welcome your tweets. We're known as Tech Night Owl on Twitter. Isn't that a place? You really got to dig it. But that's enough about being coherent, incoherent, or any combination of the two. I'm not sure if what I said makes sense to anybody. I think some people think I never make sense. But we did get a email from the affiliate manager at GCN Network this past week to tell us that we are adding another station. And that is KSZL in Barstow, California, is now carrying the Tech Night Out Live as of this weekend. So we welcome all our listeners in California. And we hope that you'll be tuning in each and every week. We, of course, are very unusual for tech shows because we don't just have the tech gadget of the week and gosh golly gee whiz. We talk about the solid issues that impact what you do with technology. We're also (laughs) available online at technightl.com. We've got Kirk McElhern. He just happens to be Macworld's one and only iTunes guy except no substitutes, and we don't either. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, 
this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. To thank you for being a loyal listener, we have a limited-time freebie offer for you. Claim your free heirloom tomato seeds, just pay shipping, right now at 123freeseeds.com. These aren't ordinary seeds. These are heirloom, non-genetically modified super seeds that are open-pollinated and can be grown, harvested, and replanted endlessly. These survival seeds are actually more valuable than gold in a crisis. Go to 123freeseeds.com and you can get an airtight storage packet of 150 super seeds free while supplies last to say thank you for being a loyal listener. First come, first served. Just cover shipping. Go to 123freeseeds.com now to see if your free heirloom seeds are still available. That's 123freeseeds.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Kirk McElhern is ranting. He's in rant mode. I'm Full not steam. Ranting. Oh, I mean, it's, it sounds more Come fun on. if we say you're ranting. But it's All no right. fun if we don't say you're ranting. Okay, joy, if it makes the, you happy. It's the joy of ranting. It's a new book we can come out with. The Joy of Ranting. You know, if we wrote that book, The Joy of Ranting, you know, we would collaborate here. We don't do it as a take control book, it's like a mainstream book, print. Take, any con- book. take control of ranting, yeah. Hey, that's a good idea. Let's call Adam and Tanya Inkst and say, we got the book for you. It's called Take Control of Ranting. And and we can have a companion volume, Take Control of Trolling. Okay. All right. But maybe but, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. That's not, by the way, a political comment. There is an organization called Move On. That's why I mentioned that. I wasn't even thinking of that. Yes, you were. Anyway, let us continue before we get really far afield here. Now, one of the things that bothered me is where you'll have application icons in settings, and this is something you mentioned in your article, but when you tap them, it's just showing the version number of the app. It really doesn't have settings. And the real solution would be at each app has its own settings. Yeah, and you, so that's and the some you do, settings. But the way it works is some apps have settings, some don't, so you don't know where to go. Yeah, I think initially when iOS came out, Apple told developers, well, you put your settings in the settings app because that's what we made it for. And some of them did and some of them realized one way or another um, that it wasn't logical, that it was complicated, that you know, it just wasn't the best way to do it. So they started putting settings in their own apps. This is an issue with the third-party section of the iOS settings app. So it's the bit all the way at the bottom when you scroll all the way down. The first the first one in my list is Airport Utility, which is an Apple app, which has nothing but acknowledgements and version number. Um, and I have several apps that have acknowledgements and version numbers and nothing else in there. Now, there's absolutely no reason to have an entry in settings to show that kind of information. Um, also, third-party apps 
um, as we were saying, they might as well just have the settings in the app. It makes a lot more sense. If you have to switch from an app to settings and scroll all the way down and find that app, you don't even know if that app has settings in the settings app to start with. So it makes more sense for the app to have a little settings gear icon. Um, I'm thinking of Twitterific, my Twitter client that I use on iOS, which has all the settings in the app, and it makes a lot more sense. Why should you go to another app on a device where you can't have more than one window open to change a setting? Well, if you go to Android, have you checked the Android no, settings? No, I haven't. Yeah, all right. you, you asked this by email the other day after my article, um, after I put my article on my website. Um, I've never used an Android phone, so I really can't speak to that. Okay, so on Android, you have loads of settings, many more settings, very granular. Each setting sometimes begetting another setting. It gets crazy. Each app has settings, and the email apps will subdivide settings into each account, which you might say, that's good. I can have a different setting for each account. But in the end, you wind up with confusion because if you have several email accounts, you might just want to have them all work about the same. And if each one has separate settings that are independent, what happens? What happens is this account works this way, that account works that way. It's really confusing. Yes, there are areas where you may want to make changes in an individual account. But when you have like three dozen, four dozen changes for each account, it drives you nuts. So that's the other extreme. So we have Apple's extreme, which sometimes makes it confusing because individual apps don't have their own settings. And you have a settings area, a settings app that has settings that don't do anything but give you version number. Uh, you have the Android version where there are so many settings you can bang your head against the wall and it still won't stop. But are the settings on Android, are they accessible through a settings app or through the individual apps? Both. Ah, okay, so it's just as confusing for that. Um, I think there should be a logic of one way or the other. Um, I don't have that many apps that actually have settings in the settings app. That's getting to be a tongue twister there. Um, and the ones that do still seem to have settings in the apps as well sometimes. So it's it's just confusing. It doesn't make sense. There's too many settings. Um, let, let me give you an example. So if, if you look on a Mac, if you look on OS X and you look in system preferences, you've got a setting, um, uh, mail contacts and calendars, which has all your accounts, Right. Now, interestingly, Mail Contacts and Calendars also has your Twitter and Facebook accounts. Um, on iOS, you have four different top-level entries and settings, Twitter, Facebook, Flickr, and Vimeo. Now, on the one hand, iOS should probably be called Accounts instead of Mail Contacts and Calendars. And on the other hand, the, um, the settings in iOS could be Accounts, and it could then go to Twitter, Facebook, Flickr, Vimeo. It could then have the mail contacts and calendars at that level. It could maybe have messages, FaceTime, because all these things are account-based. Um, there's no reason to have a separate top-level setting for messages and FaceTime. There's no reason to have all the top-level settings for Twitter, Facebook, Flickr, and Vimeo. It just gets too confusing. Even the, the very top section. So you've got some settings at the very top, which are things you might want to turn on and off often. So you've got airplane mode, which hopefully won't be necessary in the near future. You've got Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. You've got cellular, personal hotspot, and carrier. Well, you can leave airplane mode and Wi-Fi at the top level because they're important, and maybe Bluetooth. Um, but cellular, personal hotspot, and carrier, couldn't they be 
after the top level phone setting, um, which could move up in there. And so you've got three fewer top level settings right away. You're not going to be turning the personal hotspot on and off often. The cellular setting you're not going to use often. You're not going to change carriers often. These aren't things you need just two taps away. Um, I think there's a difference between what you want to access quickly, airplane mode Wi-Fi, for instance, and the kinds of things that you don't need to access often. Okay, the control center on iOS 7. Uh, that's, yeah. Supposedly, this is you know the great improvement here where you have quick settings like Bluetooth, like Wi-Fi. Airplane mode and Wi-Fi. Sure, um, you have all these settings, and because it's in a separate pane, it's not as easy to screw up as if it were all in Notification Center. Now, that's the way they do it under Android. You bring down Notification Center, you've got all those little toggles stuck there, and guess what happens? It's very easy for a wayward tap to turn off something. Plus, every service is subdivided. You've got sync on or off, you've got this, you've got that. You've got maybe a, normally a dozen services that you're going to keep active. And if you accidentally turn one off, what happens? Well, I'll give you an example of that. So one day I'm using Chrome on the Galaxy S4, and suddenly it's not syncing my bookmarks. And it was sharing the bookmarks with Google's Gmail site and the copy of Chrome on my Mac. Suddenly, I'm not seeing the bookmarks. So I look around. Finally, I bring down the notification center. Somewhere along the line, I tapped sync and turned it off. That's downright dumb. So yes, there are ways to organize it, but that way is like you have the committee with 37 different talking heads pointing in different directions, yeah. and they never get together. Here yeah. you have some very valid points that Apple needs to go through all the settings, see what's appropriate and what isn't. Now, obviously, if a third-party app does whatever it does to call out the settings, so it goes in the settings app and there are no settings there, the people who wrote that third-party app need to fix it. It's I, not I Apple's don't fault. Get why, I simply don't get why some apps um, put in the settings app things like acknowledgments and version. Um, you, you put the little eye information icon in your app, and you put a screen inside your app. Why would you put that in the settings app? Is this the kind of thing that happens when people port stuff from Android? I wonder. Because does Android store them in some place? And so someone ports an app and... They stick the things there. Um, if, if I look at the settings app on my iPhone, um, some of the things that are down in the third-party section are like I've got a banking app, um, which just has a version number. Um, I've got a newspaper app, The Guardian, and the only setting it offers is to clear the cache on the next launch. Oh, yes, those pesky settings, those pesky settings can drive you wacky. We're going to continue with the great settings conundrum. Or some such. I'm Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk McElhern. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic any time. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of a 100% blocked artery in both my legs. And my decision waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
On Attack Night Out Live, we've got Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, and he's in super rant mode. And we're talking about... I'm not about ranting. I'm just talking about something that could be better. So Come on, sensitive, gee. man. You're so sensitive. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying it. You're saying, I'm not really ranting. I'm just complaining. So the point being here, you suggested here if you're porting an iOS app for maybe another platform, it inherits certain things that cause a problem. But I was thinking of it this way. If you're building an iOS app, it doesn't matter where it came from. Go in there and make sure the preferences are working properly and they're set properly and they don't put up these bogus screens in settings app that do nothing but give you information who cares about. Well, two two examples are Apple apps. Airport Utility, uh, you tap on it and it shows you version and acknowledgments. That's and not ported trailers. from Android. That's not ported from Android. Right, and trailers, which does give you settings. It has play each slide for, and then you choose a number of seconds, and repeat. So you can do a slideshow with trailers, apparently, which I didn't know about. But others are apps like Skype, SoundCloud, some banking apps, um, BBC iPlayer, BBC News, things like that. These are things that definitely don't need to have settings that could have settings in the app that you're talking about just a couple of settings. It, it doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. Well, I think something like that Apple needs to enforce consistency. That they do as well as they do with, what, a million apps in the App Store, I think is amazing. But I think as they progress now, they have the new platform, iOS 7, they've got to go back in there and clean up all the junk that is accumulated under the previous OS versions. I grant they didn't have a lot of time with this release. And I grant also that maybe the reason That's never an excuse. No, it's not. Sorry. But... I also grant the fact that maybe the reason that OS X Mavericks is coming out a little later than some might have expected is because of the fact they pulled engineers over to help finish iOS 7. As you say, it was never an excuse. And releasing something that's good enough makes Apple into Microsoft, which is not good either. But they really need to go back in there and clean up the fit and finish a bit more and deal with the issues of fonts and motion and zooming and all that stuff. Okay, you said something about OS X being late. Do you really think Mavericks is late? Right now we're looking at what seems to be a late October release. I don't think this is late. If they're going to do an annual release schedule, yes, it is, because last year it came out in July, and it is reported that the Golden Master has now been ceded to developers and independent testers. So, therefore, yeah, the, we can the, expect... The day before we were recording, um, the Gold Master was ceded. Yes. Um, Apple said Mavericks would be out in the fall. The current rumors are talking about late October. This is better than a couple of versions ago when the fall was actually like December 10th or something, wasn't it? Was Lion very late? No, I think we're on time. The, the, the fall just started, what, two weeks ago? Um, so if we're looking for a late October release, we're right in the middle of fall. That's fine. Yes, but the reason there's a fall release rather than a late or midsummer release is because I think more attention was being placed on iOS 7 because that's the more critical release. It doesn't hurt anybody if Mavericks came out in October instead of July. And I think with the Golden Master being seated, it'll be two weeks away. Therefore, it'll be about the 18th. That you'll yeah, see we've had we've had in in past um, versions of OS X closer to two to three weeks than a month. The rumors that talk about late October seem to be a bit longer. Um, we'll find out when we find out. 
but I don't think it's late. And I agree, though, that iOS is a little bit more important because it's generally tied to the release of a new model of the iPhone, whereas OS X is not tied to a new computer. It may, cars- it may correspond to the release of the new Mac Pro. It's entirely possible. But the Mac Pro is not going to dictate the release of OS X, whereas iOS is going to dictate the release of a new phone. Oh, definitely. Although I do think Apple wants to release the Mac Pro with a new OS. Sure, but that's doable now since the Gold Master's out. We know that's going to happen. But I doubt they were waiting for OS X for the Mac Pro or waiting for the Mac Pro for, for, for Mavericks. E- either way, I don't think the importance is such that one would, would dictate the other. I mean, they're going to be happy to point out how much faster the Mac Pro is, especially using Mavericks. But to me, that doesn't seem to be uh, as urgent as iOS, as you said, iOS is more important. There are more devices running iOS than Macs, um, but it's also a question of the fact that a phone, a new phone for Apple is generally linked to a new iOS version. Certain functions of the new iPhone, like the iPhone 5S, were key and critical to having iOS 7 and the 64-bit stuff. The other point to mention here is the fact that with the Mac Pro, I think they'd want to ship it with Mavericks at this point in time. You don't want to release a new piece of hardware and then come out with a new OS a week later or two weeks later. I mean, they've already just introduced new members of the iMac family, but that's okay. That's a trivial issue. So, well, they're, that, that's just a, a minor bump. It's not a new piece of hardware. As a matter of fact, if you look at the benchmarks from Macworld, it's barely faster than last year's model. The Haswell chips seem to have most of their value in efficiencies in terms of power consumption. It doesn't affect... So, laptops and battery life. Right. An iMac, it doesn't make a difference. If you have last year's iMac, it's not going to be a disaster that they have a new iMac this year that's 5% faster. Not a problem. Right. Well, I'm not an iMac user, so I don't really care. Um, My current desktop Mac is a Mac Mini, which is just under two years old. So I'm starting to wonder when the next refresh of the Mac Mini will be. Um, Probably very close at hand, close at hand. Yeah, that's why I'm waiting. One thing that I actually might want is, if nothing else, it would be USB 3. Um, I've got an external Thunderbolt drive, but Thunderbolt is still really expensive two years after it was introduced. Um, USB 3 drives are cheap, and... USB 3 is about, what, FireWire 800 speed. Um, So I would rather have that than USB 2 drives to do my backups. USB 3 is a lot faster than FireWire 800. Theoretically, but in real world, I don't think so. Okay, that's the point. Um, You know, once you get copying small files, um, I I don't know. Um, I'll find out in the near future. Um, Belkin's going to send me one of their, um, I don't remember what they call it, this dock that they have that goes from Thunderbolt to Thunderbolt FireWire USB 3. So I'll be able to do some real-world tests um, to a a new backup drive I got, which is USB 3. Um, So I'll be able to compare it. But I don't think, you know, all these theoretical speeds have nothing to do with what we get in real life. You look at the theoretical speed of uh, Thunderbolt, and frankly, it's not, you're not going to get that speed in, in real-world usage. It's like, for example, the new Wi-Fi standard, 802.11ac, which supposedly is faster than gigabit Ethernet. But in the real world, it's about half the speed because of all the various considerations. I guess you have it really close up to the router 
it could make a difference, but not necessarily much farther. We've got Kirk McElhern. He's at Macworld's iTunes guy, and he doesn't like us to say he's in rant mode. So I won't until the next segment. I'm just, you know, giving my opinion. I'm complaining, but I'm not ranting. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy viruses. Products from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1 877 99 Berkey. That's 877 99 Big Berkey Water Filters. For the love of clean water. One in every 50 homes will have a break-in this year. Burglars call it smash and grab. Police call it robbery. We call it avoidable. We are Fake TV, a simple electronic device that can fool even professional burglars. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet and simulates the changing colors of a television. To a burglar, it looks like someone must be home watching TV, so they'll likely move on to an easier target. At only $29.95, Fake TV costs less than a month of most alarm monitoring plans and comes with free shipping. Order your Fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. My name's Bruno. I'm 52 years old. I've tried different protein powders over the years, and they've all tasted pretty bad. I tried One World Whey and found it to be delicious. After 10 weeks on One World Whey, my wife commented, you have more muscles and you're leaner than when you were 20 years old. My body has changed dramatically. I'm a cyclist. Normally, I'll ride two days on and take two days off. After being on One World Whey, 
I rode 10 days in a row in over 100 degree heat, and then I'd take another two servings of One World Away, and then work out at the gym for another hour and a half. I just couldn't believe these results. My normal muscle tightness and soreness after working out are virtually gone. Don't take my word for it. One World Way comes in single servings. Just give it a try. For a health and taste sensation you'll love, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. You notice he's defensive about it. When I say he's in rant mode, Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, says, no, 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 I'm just complaining. Okay. Uh, it's not that I'm defensive. It's just, you know, it's the, saying that someone's ranting just oversimplifies. I'm trying to say that I have valid things to say, um, and it's not just ranting because I don't like something. It's that I'm offering alternatives and saying, here's a suggestion. Yeah, well, okay. I'll go for that. Okay, beyond the settings and the fact that they need to be cleaned up and beyond the motion and accessibility area of iOS 7, what do you like about it? When I first started, see, it takes using, them a while to think of this. No, I want to give an introduction. When I first started using the beta, um, I bought an iPod Touch to be able to use the beta in advance. My first thought is, my God, this is horrid. As the betas progressed and as they refined the icons and all that, I've gotten used to it. The flat icons don't bother me anymore. I still disagree with some of the colors, um, but you can mitigate a lot of the colors by using a darker background, which is what I do. I have a sort of a dark blue, it looks like felt background, um, so the colors don't sort of contrast as much as they would with a lighter background. I find that it's, it's generally faster for most things. I don't like the light text and the light icons, the icons are often, it's often very hard to see what they actually represent. I'm looking at mail right now, and the little inbox icon, I have no idea what it is without looking with a magnifying glass. The Safari icons at the bottom look too much alike. So the share icon, which is a sort of a square with an arrow, and then the bookmark icon, which is a an open book, and then the, the pages icon, they look too similar. There's not enough distinction between them. And again, the fonts are very... St- thin on these so they're hard to see you know um, let me raise one issue about why don't safari. you rant go ahead okay let me rant okay because i'll rant i'm happy to say i'm ranting okay well it's your show you're allowed to i can do anything i want unless they censor me okay icons overall don't bother me so much even though they're flatter in that sense they don't bother me that much and a lot of apps have already been updated now in terms of ranting I think the only thing that bothers me is where in your browser, you know, you have your bookmarks and then you have the menu bar bookmarks, the ones you drag to the browser window. Right. Okay. That list. So you have the bookmarks bar and the bookmarks menu. To get to that list in Safari is one huge pain. It's not obvious. If you click on bookmarks, you see bookmarks, bookmarks menu, but there is nothing that reflects that those menu bar bookmarks. You mean the bookmarks bar in desktop Safari? 
Right. There's nothing that... They ref- call that favorites on iOS, and that had me perplexed for a while. Um, I find that odd that they would have a different term. Obviously, it's not a bookmarks bar in iOS, but you'd think they'd want to be changing it in OS ten. They call it favorites. Yeah. Now, who would know that? Um, someone who notices that their bookmarks are the same ones, and it takes you a couple minutes to figure it out, and then you say, oh, that's what it is. Stupid me. But, of course, it's not stupid you. It's um, stupid them. Yeah. Um, but I think the bookmarks whole, the whole bookmark section is a little bit confusing. I think the buttons aren't very clear. I don't like the whole shared links thing. I find this kind of useless. You know, if you follow more than six people on Twitter, you're going to have a hundred shared links. So there's no reason to go into there. Um, but that toolbar on the bottom, um, the icons are slim. And then when you scroll, the toolbar disappears. So if you want to hit the toolbar, you've got to scroll again enough to get it to come back and that really annoys me you sh- it should come back immediately when you scroll not when you scroll past a certain level in the page they're trying to give you more screen real estate with a four inch screen and there are a few irregularities in the way they accomplish that fact yeah but it's too hard to get that bar to come back up um another thing i've noticed is i often um end up swiping on the control center thing and displaying control center when I'm trying to scroll from the bottom of a window. And this is both on my iPhone and my iPad. The key is um, here is a downward scroll triggers. No, when, I, when I'm scrolling stuff. back up, when I'm scrolling back up, I hit control center because I start at the bottom of the window. Okay. Even though there's a, a probably a very small target of just a handful of pixels down there, um, I hit it and I keep bringing it up and I don't want that. Um, let me just go back. You mentioned the icons earlier. Some of the icons for me make no sense at all. So the photos icon um, makes no sense. I, I've gotten used to it. The newsstand icon not only makes no sense, but you can't see what it's supposed to be because of the colors. Contacts, I think, is excellent. Reminders is a little bit hard to figure out uh, at first because there's not much there. Uh, it's almost too white, and that makes it hard. Um, why is the voice memos icon white with a, a sort of a voice pattern in front of it? That doesn't really suggest anything. A microphone icon would make a lot more sense. They're thinking um, in terms of the geek way here. I'm looking here at the fact that whoever designed that icon is thinking like a geek. You go into audio editing uh, okay. software and They're you see waveforms, like exactly. but that's not the way to right. do it. No, you need a microphone because that's what people think. Um, if you look at something like the iTunes store or the, the music app, those are fine. Um, but then look at something like Game Center. I mean, what are these little bubbles? They're just confusing, and I don't understand. Or look at something like, um, well, I guess the Find iPhone is okay. The Stocks doesn't really do it for me. And the Compass, frankly, the Safari icon is a much better Compass icon than the Compass icon, when you think about it. Well, there you go with that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, some of the icons I think are good. Some are misleading. Some are confusing. Um, I think that, you know, the flat thing, okay, it's a given. Um, but the the way they've designed the icons, as you said, waveform, you know, only people who know about audio software are going to think in terms of waveforms. So um, other than that, I'm, you know, I'm not really overly disappointed by a lot of things. Um, I Dislike, and again, here we come to a visual thing. I dislike the fact that in messages, the messages I send are a white font on a green background. Um, The green's not very dark. It's kind of hard for me to read. The contrast is very bad. 
I'm trying to imagine what it must be like for the roughly 10% of people who are colorblind, um, what that lack of contrast does for them in, in that sort of situation. Um, the phone app is okay, but again, the toolbar, it's, you, you just have to remember what the icons are at the bottom. The icons are too light to really see, and you can't read the text. So wh- what they've done is they've made, in a lot of these situations, icons um, that have no value. You just have to sort of through muscle memory remember which one takes you to which feature by its location. It's interesting that in the phone app, they have names under the icons, so favorites, recents, contacts, keypad, and voicemail. But in something like Safari or Mail, they don't. Um, I keep tapping in Mail the little icon that is – hold on, let me open a message. The little icon that has a folder on it. And that if you just tap it once, it sends your message to a folder, and I can never find which one, and I've lost messages, and I don't know how I can easily do this. So if you tap it correctly, if you tap it correctly, you get a dialogue, you get to choose a folder, but if you tap it the wrong way, it'll send something to a folder without any feedback, and you don't know which folder it is. Um, I find that a little bit I find that to be a bad interface choice that a, a tap, it's sort of like a tap and hold must do something, but I haven't really tested it. You know, there's a feature in an Android app that's meant to mimic mail for iOS called InnoMail, where you can have it pull another folder in your mailbox and have that show up amongst your all mail or preferred mail menu. So if something comes into that folder, maybe something you direct there because of your filtering, it'll show up as part of your list of new messages. Otherwise, you're apt to skip that mailbox. That's a feature of InnoMail. It's a shareware or it's a cheap application. It's available free with ads or like three, four ninety nine at the Google Play Store. So that's something I think Apple should do with mail. What we should do is tell you that we've got one more segment of common with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? More important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. 
You know about RVs, you've heard about bunkers, but surviving is not recreation, and man wasn't made to live underground. Introducing Survivalist Camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid survival bug-out house that's mobile, well-equipped, and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Go to survivalistcamps.com to learn more. That's survivalistcamps.com, providing your basic needs to survive. Survivalistcamps.com. What if you had a witness everywhere you drive? Now you can with VideoDashCam.com. From truckers to motorcyclists, the handy Video Dash Cam can be used for insurance claims, accidents, police encounters, road rage, or natural disasters. Has instant screen playback and optional night vision. Get the best quality, affordable HD Dash cameras available at VideoDashCam.com. That's VideoDashCam.com. Or call 855-855-2022. Always have a witness with Video Dash Cam. An e-cig revolution is sweeping across the country. But is yours American-made? Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is. Manufactured in Arkansas with 100% USA-sourced ingredients. And when you buy American, you support local jobs. Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig is top quality at an affordable price. The very principle that once drove the American economy. Get great taste with no ash, tar, or smoke. You'll be wondering why you didn't make the change to Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig a long time ago. LaSig.com has everything you need for beginners to the advanced vaping enthusiast with a wide variety of hardware and also imported e-liquid flavors as well. Plus, LaSig smokes the competition with fast, free, same-day shipping, real people customer service, and a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Support our country and become a Vapriate at LaSig.com or call 870-525-1440, 870-525-1440. LaSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. You have all seen and heard about the elements of the periodic table. These elements are the building blocks of everything in the universe. You, my friends, are made from these elements. A shortage of any of these important trace elements can lead to disease. Go with the science and take the Lady Talk Health Challenge and get all 90 essential trace elements with a healthy start pack at LadyTalkLive.com or call 855-333-LADY. That's 855-333-5239. Research shows it's not just what you put in your body that counts, it's what you put on it as well. Why not use an all-natural, healthy, mineral-based makeup that actually benefits your skin? Once you experience the airiness and flawless coverage of Longevity Mineral Makeup, you will never use anything else. With Longevity, the perception of your complexion will be natural perfection. Animal-friendly mineral makeup at Mary Lou Health. That's M-A-R-I-L-U-Health.com. Or call 855-321-HEALTH. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Kirk McElhern joining us, he's the iTunes guy from Macworld on the Tech Night Out Live. I'm Gene Steinberg. I made a comment about an Android app called InnoMail with some features I like. What do you have to say? 
Well, one thing I like in the iOS 7 Mail app is that you can add any mailbox to the front screen. If you tap, so if you're looking at your mailboxes, you tap on edit, you can check or uncheck a number of things such as all inboxes flagged, unread VIP, etc. But you can also scroll down and tap add mailbox. You can choose any folder from any of your accounts uh, if you have multiple accounts. So you, I think what you were talking about is that the, the you would select a folder, it would go in your inbox. You select a folder and it shows up. Okay, so it's the same thing that, that Apple has in, in iOS 7 Mail. So you can tap Add Mailbox, and you can add any folder you want. Um, and I think that's good. Personally, I don't use it, but it's practical to have it, I think. Okay, so what do we do now? You tap the mailbox. You tap, you tap Edit. Um, you scroll down, and you tap on Add Mailbox. Then you're going to see your oh, account. Let's go back mailboxes. here again. You tap now what? Let's so do it together. Okay, you're in Mail, and you're seeing Mailboxes at the top, right? Right. Okay, so to the right, you have an Edit button. So tap the Edit button. Okay. Now you see a list of Mailboxes. Some of them have check marks next to them. Scroll up or scroll down right. until you see Add Mailbox. Okay. So tap on that, and then you can choose a Mailbox from an account or from either a folder or a Mailbox from any of your accounts, and you can add that to the top level. Well, fancy that. Faith in Degorda, I didn't know that, no. There you go. I should put that on my blog as a tip because I had a, a post recently about the dot-com button that disappeared in Safari. Um, you may know, and this has been like this since iOS 6 and maybe even earlier, you tap and hold the period button. If you're in Safari or something, you get an option to hit dot-com or dot-edu or dot-mil, etc. Um, and a lot of people didn't know that. I saw people on Twitter who were saying they didn't know it, so I put a post on my blog. Um, there are a lot of these little things that we miss um, and it's good to remind people of them. Well, part of that is that these things are not well documented. I mean, there's no real user manual unless you buy a take well, control book or a dummies book. Well, there or is, there is, there is an i uh, an iPhone and an iPad user manual. You can get them from. Well, when you update to iOS, it's going to there's going to be a bookmark for the appropriate user manual in Safari. But you can also get them from the iBookstore. So the manuals exist. It's just that you know who thinks to look at them. Well, I'm not seeing it show up in the all mailboxes category, but we'll have a look and see. We'll check it out. Well, it, it, I'm sure it's mentioned someplace, but this is something that was in, I think, the earliest betas, so it's not a, a late edition. Well, but basically, that's that's what you wanted. You wanted the ability to add, uh, you know, any folder um, to, to go the top into level, to, to be put at the top level like an inbox. I'm not and seeing it all remove, work yet. You can also remove the folders at the top level. I have a friend who doesn't like the VIP folder. Personally, I do, but he likes the all mailbox, all inboxes folder, and I don't. So we each, you know, remove the one that we don't want to use. Oh, I agree with you there. The VIP, I never use that one. See, I use that often. Um, I have a few people who are in my VIP list, and I, I have a, a special alert for that. So I can get, you know, I get a, a sound when I get email from certain people, and it's good for me to have these messages separate. All right. Well, it's interesting here how we find these features, some of which are documented by Apple, some of which you have to kind of trial and error, some of which you have to read the latest Dummies book to find out, or the latest Take Control book. Take Control books, Take Control books. Well, neither advertises on this show, but I will say this, that we tend to get more of the authors of Take Control books, so we'll emphasize them over Dummies books. Besides, the people who publish Dummies books have the money to pay for advertising, but we never use that as criterion for the show. The point being, there are a lot of features that are part and parcel 
of iOS that we never explore. There are tons of features of OS X Mavericks that we don't explore. And part of it is, of course, that with Mavericks, officially, it's not out yet. So we can't officially talk about features unless they are listed on Apple's site. And by the way, if you go to Apple's site and check out OS X, you'll find out quite a bit of information is up there already about Mavericks. Yeah. And that'll just be a couple more weeks, and we'll have plenty to talk about. There are some interesting things in Mavericks. But, again, we can't talk about it, so we'll just... Well, you can you talk know. about anything Apple has mentioned. Well, okay. Well, So one thing that Apple's mentioned that, that I've been wanting for a long time is tabs and Finder windows. Rather than have multiple windows open, you have a single window, and you have tabs. And there are several windows that I keep open all the time, so they're going to be tabs in my Finder and Mavericks. And if I want to drag something from one place to another... It's easy. I don't need to see the other window, or you drag over the tab, and then the window comes to the front. Um, that's something I've been wanting for a long time. Um, in fact, that's probably, for me, the best new feature uh, in Mavericks. I agree with you that the Finder tabs is useful, especially for someone like me where I'm constantly working with content from several folders, and I want yep. them up front and center because of the kind of work I do. Yeah. because of editing audio files. So I understand that, and that's something I think could have been done very easily a long time ago. So you wonder how it took this long to get that feature in there. Um, you know, I've been... I'm sure we talked about this years ago on the show. I've been talking about this with friends for years. When Safari added tabs, we all thought that um, this was going to be something that would come very soon in the Finder. And this was, what, Safari added tabs, what, three versions ago? So it's been a while. Yeah, perhaps. Um, but, it, yeah, it's something that I've definitely been looking forward to, and it's going to be the most useful thing that I can see. I'm looking on Apple's website. Um, tags, I'm not sure that I'm going to use tags. Um, I'm not sure how I would use them. I use labels only to have a visual reminder of something. Um, so if it's like a, a particular file or folder that I'm working on and I want to spot it quickly, I'll put a label on it. I'm not sure that I'm going to use tags because it would mean I'd have to go back and tag all of the files on my Mac or at least all the recent ones. Um, I'm not sure whether this is going to be something that I can find useful. Um, notifications aren't new. Um, there are some new notification features. Um, I've been very happy with Notification Center. Um, and with the banners and alerts and all that in um, Mountain Lion. Um, I don't use multiple displays, so that's not a thing for me. Um, you know, of all the stuff that they're presenting on the website, there's not a lot that's exciting me, the new Safari. Um, I do like the fact that um, Mavericks is supposed to give better battery life on laptops. That's always a good thing. I have one of the final 17-inch MacBook Pros, not the 2011 version, the 2010 version, not much different, really. And I have to see what kind of battery life I will get with the final version of Mavericks. I haven't yet done any testing because I can't officially tell you that I even have a copy of OS X Mavericks, except to say that when the reviews are published which will be just ahead of the actual release date. They'll have all those reviews published in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. On those days, I will be able to tell you what I know. And as the shadow said, I know. 
Well, I think we're allowed to say that we do have it. That's not a problem. I'm just um, being. We're not allowed to talk about, about the features. Um, another one I'm looking at on the advanced technologies page is compressed memory. Um, you certainly remember RAM doubler back in the days. This was a utility that compressed the RAM. So when you had a Mac with one megabyte, and I'm very serious, one megabyte of memory, it acted as though it had two. Um, it was a valuable utility back when RAM cost a fortune. I like the idea of this now that. You know, if it means that your memory is going to be a little bit more flexible, I say more power. Um, that's a wonderful idea. Kirk McElhern, where can we find more of your stuff? Well, you can go to my website, com, and you can find me on Macworld, where I write about a number of things, including about iTunes. And you can find us at technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. On Twitter, we are Tech Night Owl. What else could they be? You want to find us on Facebook, look for Gene Steinberg. More than likely, he's me. We've got another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this week, we'll be talking to longtime paranormal investigator David Weatherly about the slender man, the gin, and the black-eyed beings. I can't say more. Go to Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com to find out what I mean here on the Tech Night Out Live. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me again, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.